Tonight, and uh, tonight just a, a little different perspective and direction on some things. We've talked the last couple of weeks about living on Tuesday night, about living by a miracle or a harvest and uh, what it takes. And I uh, heard an interesting thought today, and, and it ties really in well. It's amazing when you're in a season and, and God's speaking some things to you. How many find out you get in a place and God's talking to you and it seems like you're hearing it everywhere you go? You ever notice that? Kind of crazy. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and uh, so I heard a statement today, but it was when it comes to being a seed, um, when you plant a seed, if you were the seed, it could, you know, when you get planted as a seed, it can feel like you've been buried. You know, you're just, you're under the dirt, it's dark, there's no light, you know, it's a, it's, it's a crazy place to be. But you're not buried, you're planted. Amen? And in order for the transformation to take place, you have to be planted. In order for harvest to come, that seed has to be sown and it has to be planted. But when it's planted, it moves into an area that seems like darkness. It, it can seem like confusion. It can see it's an unfamiliar place. It, it can be an uncomfortable place. But if you understand the process, then you know that this isn't death. This is the beginning of life. This is the beginning of change. This is how harvest takes place. Amen? And so learning to hold on to that, and, and sometimes we get anxious. We don't like to be planted, and uh, we don't like to be sown, so we break out of that, and then that's how we find ourselves where we need another miracle, because we interrupted the process that produces the harvest. Are we doing all right? Yes. So it's so important that we stay with the. And so I want to kind of talk to us a little bit about that and, and, and really how do we connect with the purpose and the plan that God has for our life. And really a lot of it has to do with preparation. Psalms 57 and verse 7 is on the cover of your outline. Then we're going to read a couple others. We're going to look at Psalms 108 and 112. But they basically say the same thing. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. The word fixed there is also translated prepared. The word prepare. My heart is prepared. Or in other words, I have prepared my heart to praise you. I'm prepared to praise. Uh, another word also for that is established. My heart is established in praising you. It's fixed. It's prepared. It's established. And, and that's just an important principle. If you turn over to Psalms 108, and if you look at verse 1, it starts out the same way. Oh God, my heart is steadfast, fixed, established, prepared, steadfast. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Wow. Not just unto your glory, but even with my glory. You know, man has a glory. And we're supposed to glorify God with it. Amen? With what? Our glory. Is God supposed to get glory through our life? And then turn, maybe just one page to your right there, and you come to Psalms 112. And if you look at verse 7, it says, He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast. Fixed, trusting in the Lord. So steadfast, established, prepared. Uh, 
That's an important principle. Another place we find that same word is in the cover of your outline there, Proverbs 30 and verse 25. The ants are people not strong, yet they lay up, and the word there in the original King James actually says prepare. They prepare, they lay up their food in the summer. So the same way that the principle, so here's the answer, preparing for what's coming. So we get the picture of, what does it mean? My heart is fixed. My heart is prepared. So there's an anticipation for it. It's a, a pre-preparation. It's getting ready ahead of time and doing that. And, and many times you find people, how many know it's, it's one thing for the preacher to prepare for the service. It's another people, another thing for the people to prepare. Sometimes you need to prepare yourself to be preached at. Sometimes you need to prepare yourself. It's one thing for the band to practice. It's another thing for us to practice before we get here to worship. Amen. Because if I never prepare myself to worship, I can come in and go, man, that was a dead service. Well, how much did you prepare? We practiced. Did you practice before you got here? Amen. Because it's a corporate thing. Amen. So in doing all that, but it says here, there, it's a principle that we're looking at here. They answer people not strong, yet they lay up and prepare their food in the summer. Proverbs 6 and verse 6 says, go to the ant, you sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. Sluggish people don't like to be active in anything. They don't like to, they're, they're procrastinators, like to put things off. They don't like to be engaged and doing that. But in order to have harvest, in order to see what God has for our life, we have to be a people who know how to prepare. Amen? We have to be fixed. We have to be established. So look down at the cover of your outline. I'm going to talk just about being prepared. Be prepared. Father, I thank you this evening as we walk through this lesson together. Lord, I thank you have something fresh to show us, something new to show us. I thank you the word comes alive in a new level, in a new way, brings new clarity, brings new insight, establishes new truth in our lives to live by. I thank you we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you would declare by your spirit in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. So look at this. Mike Murdoch says this. Mike Murdoch, I, I love Mike Murdoch in, in areas, if you listen to him in teaching, and especially in his wisdom teaching, he's got great insights and principles and stuff. And uh, I have a bunch of his mini books and stuff. But these are, he has some, some, some just one-line statements and declarations that are so good. Listen to this. Champions make decisions that create the future they want. What a great thought, amen? A champion makes the decision to create the future they want, while losers make the decision that to create the pre present they want. Ooh. See, many times, if I'm living in the present, I'm not planning for my future. And sometimes we're just so caught up in the now and the present, but we have to be preparing. The ant prepared for the summer, prepared in summer, and then in winter had plenty to eat. And so there's preparation. Yep. Amen? How many know when all this rain came, if you didn't prepare for the rain and you didn't clean your gutters, you had some problems? Hey, Ben, you go, man, I wish I would have prepared better for the rain. How many know it's easier to clean the gutters out when it's not raining than when it's raining four inches? Amen. When it's dumping, praise the Lord, and your gutters are overflowing and things are going on. So look at, I mean, any of that. So for wood, for anything. So. 
Amen? Preparing for the future is one of the greatest challenges. Preparing for the future is one of our greatest challenges. We're the generation we've come out of. uh, Our grandparents came out of the Depression. And they became one of the greatest saving generations in the history of our nation. Yeah, or hoarders, yeah, okay. And, uh, but we, we are not a generation of savers. Amen. Years ago, I got challenged. Our friend Bob Rickey, uh, when, when he was traveling and ministering, um, he, he would challenge people with this question. How many of you could put your hands on $5,000 cash? Right now. You could just, you could just get $5,000. Well, some of us probably could or couldn't, but, but it gets to be a challenge. If I can, and if I've been working for very many years, why not? Why not? Okay, well, what am I prepared for? It's kind of like where we go through, Dave, the first thing Dave Ramsey does in the Financial Peace Seminar is he makes you save $1,000 to get an emergency fund of $1,000. Start with $1,000 and then start working towards a goal of having three to six months of expenses in savings set aside, not invested, not doing, but just set aside so that when something happens, you have cash and, and you're not in debt having to go into debt just to meet the necessities of life. But how many know that takes preparation? To make that happen, you have to prepare to have a savings account. And to do that, you have to change some things about the way you handle things. You have to determine. So if I want a future where if if I want a future where an emergent emergency comes up and I don't have to go into debt to handle it, I might have to prepare today. I I might have to put a dollar aside today or $10 out of this paycheck or or, or rearrange something, give up something to prepare for a future. But look at this statement, champions make decisions that create the future they want while losers make the decision that create the present they want. Now, Mike Murdoch said that, not me. So if it makes you mad, write him a letter. Amen. But preparing for the future is one of the greatest challenges. There's so many current needs that forward focus is sometimes hard to maintain. Current needs. Just the, 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 the tyranny of the urgent. Amen. How many know every time somebody comes in and wants help, they want it right now? Like years ago, I, I, I read a thing by Bill Gothard just on that. It was uh, in, in some of his teaching series. Uh, there was, it was just an uh, 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 essay on the tyranny of the urgent. Is that when people come and need your help, it just, it's, it, they want you to drop everything and help them right now. Amen. You guys must have experienced that. It's kind of quiet. <laughs> yeah. But... Amen. Your need does not constitute an emergency in somebody else's life. Amen. 
And, but sometimes there's so many things right around us and, and, and these things screaming at us right now that we have to say, wait a minute, we can let all that set aside in order to be forward focused. And that's where harvest comes in. If I want to live by a harvest and not just a miracle, I, I have to think about harvest and think forward. And what do I have to do to prepare for it in order to see it come to pass? Procrastination is a killer of dreams, visions, and destiny. Amen. We all have that thing we've thought about doing, but we just keep putting it off. Do I have any friends in the house? I have a lot of things I've thought about doing, but for one way or another, you know, somehow I just keep putting it off. Amen. I've actually started writing three books. Amen. And that people tell me all the time, you should write a book about that. Amen. I should. But you know what I do? I'll get on that tomorrow. First thing tomorrow, I'll get right on that. Amen. So now I know none of you have any of those areas. So think about it. We all have a future inside of us that is greater than our present. How many would agree? Your future is greater than your present. And it's never really determined by your path. Your future is determined by the purpose that God ordained for our life. And if we ever see that, just like we share with that little dollar bill Sunday morning, if we just remember our value is always the same with God. How, how ragged and torn and how taped up we are doesn't change our value. Amen? So how I prepare, get this, get this. How I prepare will determine how I arrive. How you prepare will determine how you arrive. I mean, I, I love the Dave Ramsey course because whether we want to or not, we're all going to arrive at retirement age. We're, we're all, whether you want to or not, you're going to arrive at old. <laughs> I don't care how much makeup or cosmetology or dermatology or any other kind of ology you put yourself through you're going to end up at old. And there's going to be needs and necessities there. And if I'm ignoring it, thinking it's a long ways off, it shows up sooner than later. Amen. That's just in the natural. So how we prepare will determine how we arrive. Now, Look inside. You'll never change your life until you change or your future. You could write that in there too. You'll never change your life or your future until you change something you do daily. If you want to change your future, change your daily routine. Do something different. Because the routine that you and I have today, it's what's producing what we have. That's what produces what we have. The routine I have, what I'm going through, that's producing what I have. <clears throat> so to have more, I have to change something about what I'm doing now. There has to be a change. What I'm doing now is not going to produce more. Are you with me? All right. <clears throat> Mike Murdoch says this as well. Men decide their habits and their habits decide their future. habits. We decide our habits, but our habits decide our future. Amen? Because habits produce lifestyle. 
and lifestyle produces harvest. So if I want to change my harvest, I have to change my lifestyle. In order to do that, I have to change my habits. <coughs> Success does not suddenly occur, neither does failure. How many have found that out? Now listen, everybody, there are people that have unexpected illnesses, there are people that have tragedy. We have a young man Sunday morning, uh, Mickey and Lorraine's uh, oldest boy came in. He pulled out of their driveway on Friday and was in a head-on collision. The guy hit him going 60 miles an hour. I mean, that's that's an unexpected, you don't prepare for that stuff. But you, you are prepared in one way by having insurance and doing things. You had a seat belt on. So there was some preparation. But now, I mean, no, that's a setback. So now God can give you a miracle and you do that stuff and being prepared. So there, there are the unexpected suddenlies in life. But those aren't always the normal. Amen. Everybody, all of us have had unexpected. Me getting bubonic plague was not a normal occurrence. Amen? And I mean, d- going through different things. We've had a lot of different things happen down through the year. And do, but God has been faithful through all of those. But you find out also, if you're preparing properly, even when those suddenlies come along, there's always the provision to get through those. So success doesn't occur suddenly. Neither does failure. Each is a process. Nobody was born a failure. I'm sorry. I don't care how bad your background was, that doesn't mean that's not an excuse to fail. There's too many success stories coming out of nothing. That's one thing I like about Ben Carson, from where you look at him, came out of poverty, came out of failure, came out of that situation, but now there he is, so what? So he's a neurosurgeon, and he's the only guy that ever, I I like what he said, he says, I'm the only guy on on the platform, on the stage here in this debate that ever separated Siamese twins in the womb. That's crazy. That's crazy. Amen? So, but you can determine. Every day of our lives is merely preparation for the next. Today always has an impact on tomorrow. And and I I wanted to teach this tonight because when we think about, sometimes we think spiritual and we don't think practical enough. Amen? We, We think scripturally all the time or spiritually all the time and not just practical all the time. People go, how did I end up here? Well, what have you been doing day by day? Because every day is preparation for tomorrow and what I'm doing and to make a difference. It's like we said last week with, with Brother Copeland without a job. When I heard that, 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 that was, we were up in Bieber when I first started listening to him. And he made that statement where he said, man, if I didn't have a job, I'd get a broom and go sweep yards or go sweep sidewalks. Go just because in all the Bible just, listen, the Bible says in all labor there is profit. So again, begin to go sow and begin to speak and then begin to declare. Part of what you're preparing for every day is governed by what's coming out of your mouth. Amen. The words and, and that we sow, the confession, the fruit of our lips, it's so important that we're speaking right words and preparing the words that we speak every day. Are you with me? Yes. So, but too many times we're overwhelmed by the pile from yesterday that we cannot focus on how to be productive tomorrow. Is anybody a piler besides me? A piler. If you look around, you have lots of stuff, but it's not scattered. It's just piled. 
you know, and they're neat piles. You're a neat piler. They're organized piles, but they're just piles. Yeah. I clean my desk off, and in a week, it has piles on it again. I get me. I need to read this article. I need to hold on to this. I I need to make sure. I need to go back over that and stuff. So and then I'll look at it. Man, I have mail from 2007 still. Well, that's not good. I know it's not good. I'm just talking about me, so you don't feel bad. <laughs> hey, Ben. But well, I would never do that. Well, the moment you hear about somebody else doesn't, you think you would never do that. Let us just look inside your house. Because we, we, we all have issues, amen? Amen. You're, you're, we're all just a giant issue wrapped in skin. <laughs> yeah. Amen. So, but the pile from yesterday, we're so overwhelmed that we cannot focus on how to be productive for tomorrow. So, what do you have to do? We are grooming ourselves either, oh, excuse me, We have to be honest with ourselves and ask, what am I preparing for? When's the last time you asked yourself that in your walk with God? See, look at, look at, just, let me just put it, how can I say this simply? Hearing sermons is not doing anything with the word. Listening is not doing So, okay, if I'm hearing something now, how am I going to make application? How is what I'm hearing going to be translated into preparation to receive the harvest that's contained in the Word? So the sower sows the Word. The Word is received. Okay, go go, go with me to Mark chapter 4. Watch this. All right. We all live in this to one degree or another. Every one of us is fighting this battle. Mark chapter 4. Jesus speaks this parable and he tells his disciples, if you don't understand this parable, then how will you understand all the other parables? If you don't get this, how will you understand them the others? So look at what he says. In verse 18, he says, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. In verse 19, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So look at those three there. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for everything. Every one of us in this room battles with those three areas. To one degree or another, different areas of another. The cares of this world, just cares of life, just cares. I have so many cares, I have so many demands, I have so many situations. Ah, but, but see, then those entering in, look at, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So how am I preparing to handle the cares? And then the deceitfulness of risk. The lie of our society is if I had more money, I would have less problems. Or that money is the answer to my problem. So that's the deceitfulness of riches. So if I just would go after more money, if I could just get this, if I just had more of that, then that would solve my problem. God's my answer, not money. Amen? And whatever he need, he, he can get that to us. He makes provision for it. But getting things in the right perspective. 
So we have to be honest with ourselves. What am I preparing for? But if, I, if, if I'm not addressing the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of rich, and the lust of other things, if there's not an honest examination in my life, am I getting caught up in this? Then those things are going to choke the word and cause it to become unfruitful. The next point. Are we grooming ourselves for success or for failure? One way or the other, we're preparing ourselves to be more productive, to be more successful, or either just to maintain. And if you're static, everything is moving except you. And so standing still is not survival, it's failure. Amen. And then only if we're willing to work hard on the front end will you reap the rewards on the back end. It's what you put in the beginning that produces what you get out. Amen. Does it, it doesn't matter what it is. It, there, there has to be that input at the beginning. What are you putting into it? it it's just that law of sowing and reaping. So to keep myself, I, I, I thank God that I have faith that if I'm in an emergent, like we said, a, 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 a miracle is, is an extreme it's a supernatural answer in extreme circumstances and conditions. We find ourselves that so God brings answers and we can believe for miracles. But as believers, we're not called to live needing miracles. We're called to live by harvest. And harvest is always connected to sowing. Yeah. Amen? Okay. Here, here, here's another statement that Mike Murdoch says. He says, see, look, the, the, the dumbest thing that is being talked about in our society is raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Because at work, you do not get paid for the time you spend there. You get paid for the value that you bring into the marketplace. Pay scale is based upon the value that you bring to the job. If you want to make more money, increase the value that you bring into the marketplace. So us paying you $15 an hour to have no education, no skills, no nothing just to give you a living wage so you don't have to apply yourself to have value to earn a living wage. Do you understand? So it, and so what it does is it, it, it hampers everything else. But you don't get paid, you get paid. And, and people, if you want to make more money, answer bigger questions. Provide a bigger answer. Okay, why does a neurosurgeon get paid more than the guy who drives the sanitation truck, the garbage truck? More education. No, he's answering. He's he's answering a different problem. He's providing the answer to hauling away trash is not the same as removing a tumor. Amen. And so skill, and so if I increase my skills, if I study, if I apply, I add that when I add value to myself, I bring more. So how are we preparing for tomorrow? I want to get a better job. Well, what are you doing to prepare yourself to get a better job? What skills do you have? We live in a in, in a technology society. 
Amen. What if things happen? What do you have to go get another job? Well, I'm uncomfortable around computers. Well, you better get comfortable with them. Amen. As technology. So what do I have to learn? You can still, at any age, we can still learn. How many know what I'm talking about? We can still learn. So I have to apply myself. I always have to, put, to apply myself if I want to receive more at the end. Mike Murdoch says this as well. The seasons of your life will change every time you decide to use your faith. Every time you decide to use your faith. I like one of his great statements says this. What, what is sowing? Sowing is this. Every day we have the opportunity to take a piece of our present. I can take something in my present, wrap it with my faith, and send it into my future. Every time I sow, I take a piece of my present. I take something in my present, I wrap it with my faith, and I sow it into my future. Believing that when I get to my future, I will have rearranged things in my favor. Do you understand that? Why so? The farmer says, I can take the seed that I have in my present, I can sow it into my field so that when I arrive up in spring, I've rearranged that field to produce favor in my life. Do you understand that? That's the premise. So when I'm sowing, whatever I have to do, if I have to say no to this, if I say no to that, it's like we go back to Dave Ramsey in that court of having an emergency fund. Well, I have to say no, but, but I'm sowing something. I'm saying no to this so I can sow into this so that when I arrive at my future where a need rises up and I can just go pay cash for a tire, I could go pay cash for a battery that goes out on my car, I could pay cash for a dishwasher, I could pay cash for a washing machine. I could pay cash for school clothes. I could pay instead of having to charge it and pay interest on it or figure out how I'm going to do it or, or, or how many know what I'm saying? But I've rearranged things in my favor by taking a piece of my present and wrapping it with my faith. So every time you decide to use your faith, the seasons of our life will change. The ant and the grasshopper, think about it. During the summer, the ant was constantly working and gathering food. I was working, busy, running around, busy. I was working all the time. Amen. The grasshopper played all summer long. When the winter arrives and the ant settles in and enjoys life, he's paid the price and he enjoys the reward. Now it's time for the grasshopper who played on the front end to pay on the back end. <laughs> Amen. All about you, I like being able to enjoy that season that I prepared for. He starves out in the, in the cold because he didn't understand that the only adequate preparation for tomorrow is the right use of today. Right. How are you using your today? How we use our today is so important. Because whether we want to or not, like I said, we just end up at old. Yeah. Amen. We go, I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> Want to not all you want to. You cannot want to all you want to. Bottom line is, you will. You're going to arrive at tomorrow whether you want to go there or not. Amen. And so preparing properly and thinking forward is so much. We live in a moment society. We live so now with no thought about our future and preparing for it. Isn't it amazing that every time Jesus talked, he made us think about heaven 
and the future. And Paul is looking forward, looking unto, expecting what is coming, looking to the future, not just caught up in the day. Doing all right? And when we do that, it changes everything. Mike says this as well. What you fail to master in your life will eventually master you. I love these statements. Amen. If, if I don't master it, if, if I don't get control of this thing, how many people with tempers? How many people with the, with the temper? Anger, anger, and everything. I mean, they, 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 they get angry on their jobs. They can't hold a job, can't do this, can't do that. And they don't master it. And they have this vicious cycle to their life or whatever it may be. But if I don't master it, it's going to influence my whole life. Amen? Eventually master me. So go with me to Joshua chapter 1. So what do we need to do? We need to just bring some confidence into our life. Amen? Confidence is a great thing. God encourages us to enter our life with confidence. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Look at this. And we all go through discouraging times. I'll never forget. I wish God would have given my ministry to somebody else and made me like a Joel Osteen. It's to be nice, happy, sad, and that. For some reason, I get to say all the things that are kind of challenging. But I remember when, when, when my pastor passed away, when Brotherhood passed away, and uh, I was asked to come back and speak at our home church, and God gave me the message, Moses, my servant, is dead. <laughs> and so rise up and possess the land. But see, what happens is, is that we get so emotionally connected to people, to circumstances, to situation, that we sit in that play and, and we give up all of our confidence for the future. And so I watched the people there at our home church, and after pastor was there for so many years, people were so connected to him that, man, without brotherhood, what are we going to do? So look what God says to Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, and said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, they, they've been mourning him for 30 days. Okay? If you go back and read it, Deuteronomy. Now, therefore, arise. Moses is dead. Get up. Amen? Go over to this Jordan and you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them. So God said, look, here's your future is in front of you. This happened here. Yes, that happened. Now rise up and move forward into your future. Why? Every place. Look at this. I love this verse. I put my, I told you a while back, I put my foot on the side of a building according to this verse, and I got a job to go through Bible school. I've walked in place, I've walked on in, in property and stuff, I walked in the Lord's gym, I, I prayed this verse in the Lord's gym down there in those buildings, walking through it before I talked to the owner. I've done a lot of, used this a lot of time. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you, as I said to Moses. Amen. I looked at you, put my foot on, on the wall of that building. I said, Father, I claim a job in this building in Jesus' name. Your word said. 
Two days later, I'm working there. He said, well, I don't know if I'm believing. I don't care. I got a job. You do it any way you want. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's always funny when you hear people stand on the word. Sometimes people will, I don't know if I'd ever do that. It doesn't matter. The word works whether you ever want to do it or not. Can I get amen? amen. Hallelujah. So what? Now what? I've given, look, so I've given, from the wilderness of Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates, the land of the Hittites, to the great sea towards the going down the sun, shall be your territory. Look at verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Look at verse 6. Be strong and of what? Good courage, for to this people you shall divide us as inheritance and land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong, says it again, and very courageous that you may observe to do all the law which Moses my servant commanded you to do. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. So God, God said that you may prosper wherever you go. Have that encouragement. Take that confidence into the future. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in. For then, everybody say then. then. What an amazing word. For then you will make your way. You will make. Everybody say, I will make. I will make. So he said, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So these things, preparing, getting ready, all these things we're talking to up to about here are all tied up right here. Why? Have I not commanded you? So now he says it the third time. Be strong and of what? Good courage. Three times tells him to be of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Praise the Lord. Go with me to Deuteronomy 31. Just go back a little bit. Watch this. Just before Moses dies, this is what happens. Deuteronomy chapter 31, beginning in verse 1. Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. So on his birthday, he gives up and gives an address. Today I'm 120 years old. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. Amen. We won't go into that right now. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. Look at this. this is, look, look what Moses is telling. Before he dies, before Joshua 1 take place, they've already heard this. The Lord your God himself, I say himself crosses over before you, he will destroy these nations from bef- before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you just as the Lord has said, and the Lord will do to them as he did to Shion and Og, the kings of the Amorites in their land, when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Verse 6, look at this. Be strong in what? Of good courage, do not fear, do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So watch it. Are, are you seeing something interesting here? Moses said this before he dies. And then after they're mourning him for 30 days, God shows up to Joshua and repeats what Moses said. 
Amen. All right. Sometimes you need to hear the same sermon over and over and over. Amen. And over again. In fact, if you have, Eli does a great job. We put all of our sermons on, on our website. You can hook up to the podcast on there, or you can listen to them right on your computer on there and hear it over and over and over. So look at what he said. Be strong and of good courage. He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of Israel, Be strong in what? <laughs> Of good courage. Kind of like a, 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 a reoccurring theme here, huh? Yeah. Amen. I wonder what the word of the Lord to you is. <laughs> Gloom, despair, and agony on me. No. The same word is to you and to I. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Amen. We're still possessing the promises. Amen? Be strong and of good courage. For you must go with this people. But I don't like these people. (laughs) To the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. Now watch this. And you will cause them to inherit. Let me look up here just for a moment. Why is it important for you to get there? Somebody is connected. Somebody's inheritance is connected to your obedience. Somebody's inheritance is connected to your obedience. God ordained that every person would be a leader. That you would have leadership qualities in you. You're a child of God. Amen. You are a child of God. You, you, you rule and you reign in him. You, you're a person of influence in Christ. That's right. Amen. If you're in, Jesus was a leader. Jesus was an influencer. Jesus brought people into their inheritance, into what belonged to them. He, he, he released the provision of the covenant to them. This woman who has been, this is the daughter of Abraham. Satan has bound her 18 years. She has the right to be healed. That's why it says these signs will follow them. You be a them. You are a them. And if Joshua was to cause them to inherit, we have to be prepared. We have to be strong. We have somebody's healing, somebody's salvation, somebody's inheritance, somebody's provision is connected to us being strong and being of good courage. And somewhere I have to get to the place where I have the wisdom and the preparation to live by harvest where I'm not the one who continually needs the miracle, but I can help somebody else inherit their promise. Amen? Amen? So... Look, that's just amazing. You shall cause them to inherit. So then they go on, he's hanging out there, and they have all this together. But skip down, if you would, to verse 22, because Moses isn't finished here. It says, therefore Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. Then he inaugurated Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, (laughs) 
Amen. I mean, Moses is like a one-trick pony here. Amen? He's got one message. And said, be strong and of good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you, the Lord said. So it was when Moses had completed writing the words of the law in a book, when they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, saying, take this book of the law and put it beside the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God that it may be there as a witness against you. Verse 27, for I know your rebellion and your stiff neck. If today while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord, how much more after my death? Gather to me all the elders of your tribe and your officers that I may speak these words in their hearing and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will become utterly corrupt and turn aside from the way which I commanded you and evil will befall you in the latter, what? Days. Now listen. Evil doesn't befall me in the latter days unless I was stupid in the former days. Do you understand that? All right, but that's what Moses tell. You're going to be, you're not going to prepare like you should, and you're going to get to a place down the road where evil's going to show up because you weren't preparing for your future properly. Amen. Because you will do evil, look at, because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. Then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the congregation the words of the song until they were ended. Amen. How many know that's the first country western song? (laughs) Amen. All right. So look at this with me. The quality of your preparation determines. Everybody say determines. The quality of your performance, how you prepare. We used to tell our kids and doing that, and, and we were doing... Um, how you practice determines how you play. Amen. Lee Trevino said one time as a golfer, he said, anybody can do what I do. He said, just go out on the driving range and hit a golf ball a thousand times a day, every day of your life. Anybody can have a good golf swing. Just go hit a thousand balls a day, every day of your life. And get prepared. Amen. Just go prepare. And then just go stay in shape. And, and do that. You look at people that are sick. If, you know, if you watch successful people do the things that create success. People aren't just born with the golden you know, halo around them. There's lots of successful people who have children that turned out to be great failures even though they were born in successful homes and had provision and everything else. How, how, so if they were born to, with all the opportunity and they became a failure, how come? Because it's not a given. It's something you prepare for. And the potential is given to everybody, to each and every one of us. Are you with me? Yep. Amen. So think about it. We can all remember being in school and walking into class to take a test that we had already sh- that, that we had really studied for. We knew we were going to ace it. How many remember that? Mm-hmm. See, my problem is is I'm smarter than I look. Actually, 
I, I'm, 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 not, I'm kind of being funny, but I'm not being funny. My problem was, is that school was easy, so it wasn't a challenge. And I could figure out the test. So I didn't prepare. I'm serious. I was stoned all but two days in my senior year, and I graduated with a B average. School's not hard. School is not hard. When I apply myself, when I apply myself, amen, I have great potential. Problem is, there's a part of me that's lazy. I'm a lot like you. We all have that part. We we all get to the point where we worked hard enough, we've done enough, and and we give ourselves, I deserve a break today. Uh You know, we're a proverbial McDonald's commercial. You deserve a break today, so get up and get away to McDonald's. How does that stuff remain in my mind? I'm amazed that all that stuff stays in there. Amen. That's what I mean. But all that is in there. But, but what I'm saying is, is that we give ourselves those, I deserve a break. I worked really hard. I've applied myself. I do that. But no, if I want to be a success, successful people don't give themselves break because they're shooting for a goal. Amen? Everybody's marvelous. I'll use Stephen Curry as an example. Stephen Curry is the, the hottest guy in basketball right now as a point guard and is scoring everything he's doing the last two years amazing but if you watch what he does 45 minutes before the game starts while everybody else is in the locker room listening to their groove getting the groove on he is out on the court and he's dribbling and he's doing his drills and he's working his skills he is preparing for the game he never quits training and his preparation is showing up in his performance and he's preparing and practicing more than his opponents and so he's playing at a higher level the other thing that's happening is that his practice and preparation is influencing other people and his team is rising to a higher level under his leadership So your practice and my practice and preparation doesn't just affect my life. It also affects those around us. Are we doing all right tonight? So think about it. So we all remember that. We can bring that same kind of confidence into our everyday life. Unfortunately, most of us don't lead our own lives. We just accept them. A lot of people just accepting life. A lot of people have an excuse for life. A lot of people are, well, you don't know my situation. Everybody has situations. Every one of us, and we could all sit down and tell everybody our personal lives, and we all have stuff to deal with. But some are being influenced by the circumstances. Others choose to rise up and be the influencer. Amen? Press through it. Fight through it. Fight. Life is not a dress rehearsal. We will not get a second chance. Amen. This is not the rehearsal. This is it. Benjamin Desraeli said this, and it ties in complete. This statement really defines what we're talking about on Sunday morning on seasons of opportunity and times of purpose. The secret of success in life is for a man to be ready when his time comes. Be ready when your time comes. When will your time come? I don't know. 
But when it comes, you have to be prepared. Amen? Have to be prepared. All right. Look at the last page. A pastor's job is to bring people to the hurdles of the word. That's my job. What's my job? I'm to bring you to the hurdles of God's word. Amen. In fact, I I, I put this in the outline. I went back because I tried to find it Sunday morning between first and second service, that my, my old Thompson Chain Bible that I wrote the date of God speaking and saying that he restored my son to me. I thought I had it in my office. I tried to get it for second service, but uh, I had it in uh, one of my piles at home. It's actually not in a pile. My wife has gotten very creative with my piles. We now have pile baskets with little lids on them. And I, versus reading through a whole book, I read a lot of parts of books at once. Because I get on a thought and a theme and and I'm trying to to understand a concept or a thought and I get in a stream and and I want to read things in line with that. And and a whole book is, is, is too much on in different directions. So I'm just trying to find that thought and that and build on it. And uh, so I have, we have this little conversation pit there, but that's my space. So I have the shelf behind the couch is like part of a bookshelf and that, and then my table, and then I have two baskets there by my thing with books and binder, but it's all books and binders, if not just papers, you know, it's not just trash, but they're, they're in there. And so I knew, well, I got several Bibles and different translations, different books, so I found it in there and I pulled it out. But back in the early 80s, when we were starting ministry, a great uh, 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 an elderly pa- uh, evangelist. He wasn't a pastor. Brother Reddick traveled his whole life. He was an evangelist and traveled and that. But he shared this thought with the, these principles with me right here. And, and, and I had this written. We, he was preaching for us and he sat down. He was just giving me some input. And he said, son, let, let me help you. He says, your job as the pastor is to bring your people to the hurdles of God's word. So I, I took it out of the inside of that Bible. And, and I put in your outline here tonight. The hurdle of salvation. The hurdle of baptism with water and in the spirit. The hurdle of giving, tithing, serving. All those are hurdles. There's different hurdles that are in the word of God. My job is to bring you to the hurdles. But each one of us decides when we come to the hurdles, we're all faced with one of three options. He says, your people will respond in one of three ways. First of all, they'll either balk, stop, just stand there and look at it. They'll try to go around it, move on, or they'll jump over. They'll take the leap of faith and jump over. Amen? But my job is just to put the hurdles in front of you. Amen. And... Some of us balk, some of us go around, and when we go around, how many know the only person we messed up was ourselves? Amen. The The only way to get the benefit is to jump over it, to take that leap of faith. And then he said, no opposition in the church means we have no one facing any hurdles. 
If there's no opposition in the church, if there's no conflict, no strife about anything, nobody's uncomfortable, then nobody's facing any hurdles. So people should be facing hurdles. Why? Because people can become offended for the word's sake. People got offended at Jesus for what he preached. Amen? For the word's sake, what he was calling them to. Go with me to Job chapter 12. Is this any good tonight? Job chapter 12. I'll give you two verses. It's, a, it's an interesting thought. How many know obedience is acquired taste? Nobody's really obedient by nature. You may have had a mild-tempered child. I don't care how mild that child is. No child is obedient by nature. They have to be trained to be. Obedience is an acquired taste. It really is. We, We have to acquire a taste for the word and a desire to enjoy it, to like it. It's an acquired taste. Job chapter 12, verse 11 says this. Does not the east test word, does not the east, my bifocals blended those ear and test right there. Does not the ear test words? Doesn't the ear test words? And the mouth taste its food? Yeah, it tests words. Your ears test words. Like your mouth tasting food. So the way your mouth goes, no, I don't like that. Your ears go, oh, I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Your ears test words. And, and, and it, it's like a taste. That's bitter, that's not good. I, I, I don't like the sound of that. I don't like the taste of that. In Proverbs, when it says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart therefrom. If you look up the word train in the Hebrew, it says like touching the tongue. And and with a small child, you can train their taste by uh, touching their tongue with different flavors. So when they first begin, you give them an acquired taste for what touches their tongue. You can train them to like vegetables. <laughs> or you can give them, you, you can train an acquired taste. Do you understand that? It's like touching the tongue. So you touch their tongue with that early. If you wait till they start acquiring their own taste, now you have to fight with them and make them go against their acquired taste. Okay, and now it becomes a battle of wills versus training. That's why childhood training starts very early, not later. Childhood training doesn't begin when they understand what you're talking about. By the time they understand what you're saying, you've lost the battle. Amen. All right. Look at verse 34, chapter 34. Says it again, but just a little bit differently. Job 34 and verse 3. 
For the ear tests words as the palate tastes foods. There it makes sense. Your ear tests words in the same way that your palate tests foods. Is that good? Is that, no, no, no. So obedience to the word is an acquired taste. Are you with me? So, what if we answered this question? If God gave you all the things you're praying for, would you be prepared to handle them? I use it like this. We, we, we use it like this in, in, in growing our church. We say, God, grow, God, grow our church. Give, give us, you know, increase our church, double our church. Well, if, if 50 people walk through our church this week, are, are, are we ready to handle them? Because God will only send, God doesn't waste harvest. We, we're wasteful, God is not. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So what I'm talking about, about being prepared. When I want to get from needing a miracle into living by harvest, the way to get there is preparing. Preparing by what I'm talking but also preparing myself to handle it. Am I responsible? H- have I disciplined myself? Do I have the character do I have the integrity? Do I have what it would take to receive the increase and not have it be wasted harvest? Amen? Am, am I beyond my impulse years? Let me know what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to put some practical things because there's a lot of times that things don't happen because we're just not prepared. Let's just read the last of this real quick. Decide what you really want and start now to prepare for it. When you decide what you really want, the how to do it will emerge. I found that all along. See, I have a great peace right now because I know this isn't it for our church. I know this building, this isn't it. So I know once I know that God is leading in direction, that's all I need to know. The how to will come to pass. Once I agree with what God is saying in the direction, wherever it is, I know that the how to will come to pass. Most people spend their lives focusing on their income. That is until they find they're running out of time and then they begin to focus on their impact. Like parents caught up and you get people looking back, I wish I'd have been better with my kids. So parents getting older and, and doing that and, and grandparents who are trying to make up for mistakes with their kids by being better grandparents and doing different things, having a different impact with their family. Understand this, when we leave this world, the only thing that will remain is your life's impact. It has been said that in a lifetime you directly or indirectly impact the lives of approximately 10,000 people. The only question is how. What impact will you have on the lives of people? Just think about it. 10,000 people will be impacted by your life. How? Amen. Money or the lack of it doesn't necessarily determine your life's impact. A lot of people with no money had great impacts on people. How many know what I'm talking about? The Apostle Paul at the end of his life said, I finished my course. Having said that, he handed the ministry over to Timothy, walked to the executioner's block, and was thereby relieved of his duties. Yet his impact now is greater than ever. 
So we'll talk about impact. Sunday morning I talked a little bit about legacy, but legacy in the kingdom and legacy in our life is not like a presidential legacy or natural legacy. Ephesians 1 and verse 12 says this, that he, God, had designs on us for glorious living. What is glorious living? It's living with impact, not just making a living, but making a difference. God ordained every one of us to make a difference, but we have to be prepared to do that. Make a difference. How? God's given you a gift. Believe it, develop it, discover it, cherish it, use it, give it away. That's glorious living. Amen? And as a church, we must carry the desire to preach more, reach more, teach more, equip more, and send more. Why? Because we're never done until we're done. Amen? We say, what are you doing now? I'm not done yet. I don't know. I'm not done. Ask me when I'm done. But I am not done. Long ways from done. You are a long ways from done. Don't buy into done. Amen. The only thing that's done is this message and this service. Father, we thank you tonight for this evening. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, I thank you to your will that we would be prepared. God, that we would plan. We'd be people of intention. That we would intentionally make the right choices. We would intentionally apply your word to We would intentionally take the day. Lord, your word says, as Paul wrote, that we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. We're to buy up every opportunity. Father, help us to be prepared in this season that we are in for the opportunities and the times of purpose that you have for us. Lord, I pray your blessing over your people. I pray, Father, they step into all that you have for them. Lord, that they believe in the gift. They discover it. They develop. They use it and they give it away. And their lives produce lasting impact. In Jesus' name, everybody say,